Assalamu alaikum. Welcome to season one, episode eight of our brand new podcast, Learning from Our Legends. I'm Lena. And I'm Layla. And we are your hosts. And today is part two of Maryam Bint Amran, who is the third yeah. in our four Best Women of Jannah series. Yep. So, should we start with a little recap? Yeah. Actually, before that, let's do a little catch up. Okay. So, currently, as we record this, we're in the fourth, fifth day of Dhul Hijjah. Fifth, yeah, fifth day of Dhul Hijjah. Yeah, how's it going? It's alright, I haven't managed to fast any days so far. Me neither, I've been quite sick. I was literally planning to do all ten. Yeah. But I think, um, I think with the heat wave as well, I've just been put off it and also the fact that I've been sick. But I'm definitely planning to fast the day of Arafah. Yeah, me too. Um, Inshallah. And you know why the day of Arafah is so like important? Go on, tell us. It's because, well, the virtue is if you fast the day of Arafah, you get expiated for a year before. Yeah, the previous year and the year to come of minor sins. So if you do it every year... All your sin- minor sins are covered. Mm-hmm. I'm not like you shouldn't go into the next year thinking I'm covered like that, but it's just yeah, it's not a free pass to go and start doing loads of sins. Exactly, but it's just nice to know because sometimes you do sins without even realizing you're doing a sin. So last episode we focused on uh, Maryam's upbringing, but before that we yeah. also mentioned like how she was born and how her mother wanted a son. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, she had promised her child, whatever it was, to Allah. grow up in the masjid. Yeah. But then when she had a daughter, it threw a span in the works because obviously Bani Israel didn't allow for women to study in the masjid. And and also while her mom was pregnant with her, her dad passed her away. Her passed away, yep. Um, and because her dad was really, like, well-known and also he was, like, the imam of the community. Both uh, of her parents were known as pious people. Yeah, so... When it came to who's going to look after her, um, a lot of people wanted to do it. But in the end, it was her uncle. Zakaria, salam. And then we stopped off. The last thing we mentioned was her influencing her uncle to make a dua for a child. Yeah. So Mariam, she would go to the east when she was on her menses. Yeah. Because obviously in a place of worship... When she was on her menses, she Yeah, did. so she because left. obviously that's where she lived, she had to leave for that time. And so she went... Um, Just towards Bethlehem. Yeah. And while she was there, she would usually look at the sunset and sunrise and be in remembrance of Allah. So subhanAllah, even when she wasn't praying, she was still in the act of ibadah. Wow. Um, and during that um, time, Jibreel a.s. basically came as a handsome man and when she noticed him it was like she wasn't tempted by him um she and that goes back into what like you mentioned how she's very um modest yeah she's modest and also remember her mum made dua that she and her son well her offspring won't be inflicted by shaitan shaitan. when they were born yeah and so i feel like you see that here because he came like in the form of a very handsome man but she wasn't tempted at all and you see that by her response. She responded by saying, So she said, Indeed, I seek refuge in Allah, in the most merciful from you, so leave me if you should be fearful of Allah. So straight away she reminds him of Allah and she also like creates that distance and stuff. So there's no excuse for whoever this man could be, because at that point she doesn't know it's an angel, Yeah. to even speak to her. 
She didn't even give him a chance. She just saw a guy coming towards her and she was like, no, nope, uh-uh. not today. <laughs> yeah. SubhanAllah. And then obviously, you know what? In the Omar uh, Suleiman talk, it said that Jabari was so like... Taken back with her response yeah. that he decided to show his actual form. Yeah, I mean, there's a difference of opinion whether yeah. he, it became like he showed her his full form or there he, was some part of his form that was um, exposed. So she then knew he was an angel. It wasn't just a man at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And then he gives her some crazy mind-blowing news. And bearing in mind, she must have been, like, quite young at this point. Do you know how old she was? Well, in the Almost Suleiman talk, he did mention that latest, yeah, the eldest she could have been was 18. Oh, wow. So she was, like, in her teen, like, late teen, I guess. That's crazy. And she still had enough wisdom to say to her uncle beforehand about the whole like dua for the child and yeah and I mean basically Allah, Allah bestows what he wants to who he wants yes subhanAllah yeah so Jibra'il comes to her and gives her the news of a child which bearing in mind she was not only quite young but she was unmarried yeah yeah and so obviously this news is like it's quite controversial because obviously a baby is a blessing and stuff mm-hmm. but for her, it's not really, it's not something she may, she really wanted, to be honest. Because imagine, like... How if, do you explain that to somebody? That's like, I think that's the main if thing. If somebody now was to come to us and be like, oh, I have a child and there's no father, we'd probably be like, what on earth are you talking about? Yeah, we know about? what you're saying when you say there's no father, but obviously it's not, like, that's not what she's trying to say here. Mm. There's literally no father here. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So he says to her, I'm a messenger from your Lord to announce the coming of a holy son. Yeah. And this is in Surah Maryam. And her first response is shock. Yeah. Mm. And it's quite ironic because it was only her telling her uncle just the other day, like, if Allah wants it to happen, it shall happen. Exactly. And that's about something that he wants. Now she's kind of seeing that if Allah wants something to happen, it will happen even if you don't want it. Didn't she even question and say, but I didn't ask for a child? Yes. No, no, no. She says to him, how can there be a child for me? She goes, oh my Lord, how can I have a son when no man has ever touched me? Basically, she's a virgin and she's unmarried and there's no like biological, logical way for her to have a baby. Yeah. Yeah. Then the angel says, so he basically responds with what she told her uncle more or less because he says this is how Allah decreed it's going to be and Allah creates what he wants and if he decides something he merely says be and it is yeah Mm. so she's kind of stuck in this predicament because it's it's a written thing yeah it even is described later on as a Amran Mahdiya it was like a decreed matter and the thing is Allah also says, He also tells her that this son that you're going to have, he's going to be a sign for humanity and he's going to be a mercy from us as well. So it's kind of foreshadowing that her son will be righteous and there's a bigger picture that she's part of as well. It's not just that she's having a son and this is her test. It is her test, Mm -hmm. but also it's all part of a bigger plan. Yeah. It goes back to the saying, like, we plan, but Allah's plan is the best. Exactly. Like, there's plans. no way she was planning this. Allah also says he's going to be a prophet to Bani Israel. Mm-hmm. So then it's basically announcing the coming of Isa salam to his mom as well. Yeah. But even though that's all great and that's all the future, you just have to remember that she, as a young woman herself on her own, 
is now hearing that I'm going to have a baby. And it's a, obviously a miracle baby because yeah. there's no way it could have happened. But there's but, no logical way of explaining it as well. Yeah, at the back of her mind just must be like, what, what am, am I, I going to tell say? everyone? Literally. And we said earlier her her parents were pious. Very pious. So she was she was known to be in a pious like household. She was known to be pious herself. And they used to call her sister of... Uh, Harun. Harun. And obviously she wasn't the sister of Harun, but it was because of the way Harun was. They related it back to like her. Like we haven't got there yet, but they called her that when she came back with the baby. Yeah, yeah. they did. They did when she came back because they were like, I'm not gonna lie, I can understand the way they were reacting because it was like, hold on a sec. And it's like, you kind of, not betrayed, but kind of betrayed them in a way. It is betrayal. You claim to be religious, you're the daughter of our And now and you're everything. here with a child. Yeah. And they were looking for her as well because she actually... Um, fled Aqsa. She was fearful of like what everyone would say and she didn't want to bring shame upon her family. Yeah. So she decided to just flee Al-Aqsa. And like you said, she was very confused because she did say like, no man has touched me, so how is this possible? Yeah. Kind of thing. So she decided to go to a remote place and just stay there for yeah, a while. Yeah, that when she conceived him, she literally withdrew. So she didn't yeah. come back after like a week or whatever it is that she usually did. And this but is come because... back to the Harun at some point. Yeah. They called her that because... It was the Bani Israel and they saw him in their scriptures as like the prophet who fell. Because you know how when Musa Islam, he spoke to Allah on the mountain yeah. for 40 days. And he was meant to go for 30 but it became 40. Mm-hmm. He left his brother Harun Islam in charge. Mm-hmm. And when he came back Bani Israel had turned and they started worshipping this golden calf. Okay. And he was obviously like to his brother, like, what happened and everything. But his brother was like, oh, I couldn't. Like, they overpowered me and I didn't want to spit the people and stuff. That's the Quranic story, right? But I think Bani Israel saw him as like a prophet who kind of strayed or whatever. Is that why they called? Yeah, no. So it's an insult, basically, because they're saying that she was like a righteous person who'd fallen from grace, which is how they saw yeah, them. I think also the fact that she was known as a pious person and came from a family with like those pious people yeah um it was more of a betrayal because it makes them start doubting what the person was believing in so yeah. the fact that she was literally in solitude towards allah just doing ibadah continuously the fact that she's come back and they obviously see a child they just assume that she's committed all these sins they start second guessing the actual religion as well yeah, and the religious ones of them would have probably been angry because they're like, oh, what have you brought back to society? Like, It's like she was a role model yeah. from a young age. It's like, for example, if your older sister was to do something that yeah. wasn't right and your mum is probably going to be upset, not only because what you did was wrong, but also because you're going to start influencing, influencing in a way the younger siblings. Yeah. So I guess they didn't want her to also start influencing others. Yeah, it was. it's just a bad thing for everyone to see in yeah, that sense. representation. Also, the reason why she didn't, I just wanted to touch up on this, mm. the reason why she also um, went and hid uh, when she found out she was pregnant yeah. was because the Bani Israel would actually kill a person who commits zina and has a child. So it kills the person and the child. And this wasn't the rules of Allah. They This was just a rule they came up with. Uh, one of their innovations. Yeah. So it was best for her to just hide out. That's crazy. These ayahs come straight after the angels told her earlier, by the way, of Allah's raised you and he's purified you and you're chosen above mm-hmm. all the women. And remember, there was that command to Maryam to remain devout to Allah and to prostrate to him and worship him. Mm. Yeah. And it was kind of it's linking that now to this because now she's being tested with something crazy and the biggest t- part of this test, well, actually, let's be honest, childbirth, labour, pregnancy, yeah, all of that so is hard. a test in itself, yeah? But 
the other side of it is the whole society she's going to have to deal with. But imagine she has to go through all of that on her own. Exactly. Nobody knew she was pregnant. Nobody knew, like, she was giving birth. They probably just thought she was missing. Yeah, or went and, like, went to hide and just do a bit more Ibeda silently or, like, quietly. Yeah. That's crazy. She went through all of that on her own. And then, obviously, like you said, she retreats away. She goes through the pregnancy on her own. And then... It actually describes her labor in the Quran. So it goes, The pains of labor basically drove her to like rest at the bottom of a palm tree mm-hmm. because now she's been on her own all this time and now she's reached the end of her pregnancy. You know what's crazy? That's nine months. Sorry, I'm just deep in. Nine months on your own. And no one could know it, imagine, because she's not she's famous, but people know who she is. So And she didn't want to bring shame onto her family and obviously the whole society. So do you reckon she didn't speak to anybody that whole time? Probably. Otherwise, people would have known and they probably would have tried to get her before she gave birth or something. Imagine like trying to provide for yourself like that. You know, subhanAllah, she was always, she always had provision and it came from Allah. Yeah. So she probably was still getting provision from Allah. Yeah. Allahu alam, but she was probably still getting provision from I Allah. I mean, clearly, like, Allah was looking after that, that whole time yeah. because for a woman to be hanging out on her own in, like, the desert or whatever in some empty place. Even like a week and you're a healthy young woman, yeah. it's going to take a toll on your health. Now imagine you're pregnant. Not even, like even your mental health, not yeah. having anybody to speak to. You have this news that you're pregnant. How am I going to explain it? It's, it's going to take a toll. Yeah. But subhanAllah. Anyways, go ahead. No, that was useful. So, قالت يا ليتني قبل هذا وكنت And she, she cries out and she goes, I wish I had died before this. Mm. And I had become long forgotten. Yeah. And I mean, that's quite a sad, like, it's kind of linking Statement. to what you said about your like mental health and stuff. Because the Mufassirun, they say that it wasn't just the pain of labor. Because remember, the pain of labor is like one of the most painful things a yeah. human being can go through. They say that her pain, a lot of it was also from the shame and the sadness and just the anxiety of what she's yeah. going to have to do with this child and how she's going to tell the people. Because... She always knew that this child was going to go back and be a prophet for Bani Israel, but how do we get there? Yeah. And so she was resting under this palm tree and then um, a voice calls out from below her. And I think this just shows the mercy of Allah. Like I saw a video the other day and it was saying how in the Quran there's so many things mentioned about Allah doing things or there's certain things he's told like men to do, for instance. Mm. So women don't be sad. Like, literally, the words are so they don't be sad or they don't feel grief. SubhanAllah. Or, like, for, like with the mother of Musa, alayhi her. So, her, like, there's coolness in her eyes. So, there's, like, she feels peace again. Mm. And it just shows, like, it just shows the mercy of Allah because there's, there's one thing caring for someone and everything, but Allah knows that we as women are very we're emotional. emotional. And I think and delicate. he has that understanding as well. Yeah, and so, men don't... I'm sorry, but some men do not understand this. Men do not understand this. They they're don't. very logical. Yeah. And so, because we are emotional beings, like, Allah does things, and he... Like, there are there are so many examples of things being done purely so a woman is not sad in both the sunnah and yeah. Quran. And so this is one of those examples. So, فَنَادَهَا مِنْ تَحْتِهَا so a voice reassures her from below saying don't be sad your lord has provided a stream at your feet 
and obviously that's important because like the stream will be a source of like fuel for her like she'll be able to drink and rest and maybe feed herself so she yeah. can get some energy and everything to go through this labor like there's no yeah there's no like drugs there's no midwife the fact that there was a stream as well that showed up it reminds me a bit of like um Hajar when mm. she was ru- running stuff for Marwa and the Zemzem started coming when yeah. they were kicking on the floor subhanallah yeah Allah does things people love to talk about how backwards Islam is but there were just many situations in our own lives as well but Allah is kind to everyone and he's kind to women in certain situations mm. even like caring for their mental and emotional health mm. imagine like a stream could have just appeared but it was it was the there was a voice as well mm. telling her from below like don't be sad it was like some sort of companionship or like she's not alone yeah she you're you're literally being told you're not alone when you are alone yeah everything happens for a reason the way that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decided to allow that voice to speak out like you're saying it's just yeah. amazing and then it says wahuzi ilayki bijran nakhlati tusaqit alayki rutaban janiya and shake the the trunk of the palm tree and it will drop fresh ripe dates on you and i think we were talking about this yeah. Because we were saying if you shake a tree, like if you've been to any country where there's palm trees, they're huge and they're actually quite strong. Yeah, and they're harsh as well when you touch them. Exactly. There's no way you're going to be shaking a tree and suddenly it's just going to drop in your And in the middle of labor. She's already like using up so much energy as well. But this is kind of linking back to the fact that Allah tells us to do our bit and he does his bit. Because those dates didn't fall down because she shook the tree. The dates fell down because... Allah decreed it. Exactly. But he wanted her to do her bit. Obviously, if Allah wanted to, he could have said being the the dates could have just fell to the ground. But yeah. he's teaching us a lesson that we always have to tie our camel before leaving the rest to him. Yeah. Like you mentioned as well, with Musa alayhi salam, when yeah. with his staff um, splitting the sea, he still had to do his bit. Yeah. And then Allah did the rest. Yeah, there's certain like situations in the Quran where it's just about doing your bit or taking initiative and then leaving the rest to Allah because I think the biggest mistake anyone can make is mm. thinking they're in control 100%. or like you have power of what's going on in your life and stuff because you might have power over some very small amount of it yeah but the bigger things there's no way like the fact that you can get from one place a to b like drive without crushing your car like do you think it's a coincidence and stuff like that no you're paying attention you were driving but it's Allah who gets you yeah. there safely and so it's just an important lesson that it doesn't matter whatever's happening, however in control you feel, the moment you think that you don't need Allah, I promise you you're going to be shown how much you need Allah because all of us need Allah and he's mm. literally playing the bigger hand in all of our lives. Yeah. And the thing is, she doesn't question it at all. She just shakes the palm tree as well. It goes back to like her tawakal as well in Allah, yeah. her trust. Like, it's just admirable because if somebody told you to shake a tree while you're in pain and, like... Especially you run a voice out of nowhere. Yeah, you probably scared. thinking... She had... She put... Like, subhanAllah, the amount of tawakal she had yeah. to just go and do it, no questions asked, and just believing that these dates will fall from the tree. Yeah. SubhanAllah. I think it's also linking back to what you said about the risk. Like, Allah has always provided for her. Yeah. And he's going to provide for her now. And it, it's all part of her tawakal. Yes, subhanAllah. So then it goes on to say, فَكُلِي وَشْرَبِي وَقَرِّي عَيْنَ So eat and drink and put your heart at ease, which links back to the whole emotional thing. Like Allah is nourishing her, not just physically with food and water, 
but emotionally as well he's giving her strength and spiritual yeah. like strength as well and then he also gives her instructions for what to do when she goes back to the people so then obviously she goes through labor with the help of allah mm-hmm. so she's not fully alone and she's got the dates she's got food and water basically do you know in umar suleiman's talk he mentioned yeah. that jibreel was actually there as in that was the voice or i don't know he mentioned how she he was like her birthing partner like allah alam but like Allah sent her like companionship in that sense yeah and it's once she gave birth to Isa Allah informed her that she needs to go back to her her people with the baby of course and obviously she's worried and she was fasting Allah gave her the instruction to fast fast. yeah so Mm. when they fast like it was like Zakaria when he was fasting he wasn't allowed to speak to anybody for three days so when it was like a that was their fasting yeah so they couldn't speak to anybody so she's probably worried I'm now gonna go back to the people of Aqsa and what am I what am I gonna say I can't say anything how how are they gonna figure out everything out like how am I yeah. gonna explain myself how am I gonna show that I'm not guilty yeah because obviously in that situation the first thing you want to say is no, guys, no. Guys, it's not what you think yeah especially if they are willing to kill you and the child yeah that's so it's like I feel like double scary like, yeah and Jibreel basically said to her so he said he will speak to people in the cradle and in maturity and will be of the righteous. So he's kind of like trying to comfort her because yeah. obviously she's probably thinking I'm going, like we said, going back. She's scared. She's like, How like who's going to defend me? Yeah. And who's going to defend this child? Yeah. And then Jibir Aitam just gave her the glad tidings of don't worry, like the child will speak for you and itself. Yeah. So then she goes and the people react how you expect them to react. Yeah. And they are fuming, they are confused, they are angry. And to an extent, they're like berating her because she's just come with a child and she's and been, been gone. they've been looking for her as well. Yeah, she's been gone for enough time to have had this child. So it's like, okay, this is your baby. You haven't just showed up one day, not pregnant, the next day with a child. Yeah. So they knew it was her child. And obviously, like logically, humans were thinking unmarried girl with a child, she's gone and commit some sin or something yeah and that's exactly the like what they jump to yeah and obviously on top of that like you said she can't speak so all she does is she points at the child and she's just sat there and they're still like what the hell are you doing and then they mention her parents they mention her mum they said your mum wasn't like this so it wasn't your father like mentioning how they were pious people yeah exactly because it's it's like a whole spanner in the works because it's like oh these are the most righteous people in society and they're bringing back things like this yeah and her uncle was a prophet it was actually yeah like the pressure is immense like it's not just a normal person who's done this because even a normal person like you said they would kill the child and they would kill the mother yeah but it's just worse because of who she was i feel like maybe they also wanted an explanation like why and she's not giving them anything because she can't she can't speak so then, like you said, she ended up pointing to Aisha and they were like questioning, how are we supposed to speak to a child who's being cradled? Like, how is this possible? Yeah. And then subhanAllah, Aisha said, So he basically says to them, Indeed, I am the servant of Allah. He has given me the scripture and made me a prophet. And then he continues to say, He then goes to say, And he has made me blessed wherever I am and has enjoined upon me prayer and zakat as long as I remain alive. So it's like he's reaffirming that he's also human. 
Yeah. I still need to pray. I still need to, pr- like, do zakat. And then he goes on to say, وَبَرَّمْ بِوَالِدَتِي وَلَمْ يَجْعَلْنِي جَبَّارًا شَقِيًّا And made me dutiful to my mother, and he has not made me a wretched tyrant. So he's making it clear, I'm not coming from the act of, like... Speaking sentences. Literally, and, like, big words. Yeah. And, you know, subhanAllah, what he's saying is what they're probably going to question. Yeah, he's answering the questions. The questions without the questions being asked. Yeah. And then he says, وَالسَّلَامُ عَلَيَّ يَوْمَ وَلِدْتُ وَيَوْمَ أَمُوتُ وَيَوْمَ أُبَعَثُ حَيَّةً and then he goes to say, and peace be upon the day I was born and the day I will die and the day I am raised alive. That's actually, it's, it's like giving me goosebumps. SubhanAllah. Like even though we're boiling in this room. <laughs> it's literally so hot. Yeah, heat wave in this country is not fun. But no. no, because imagine like just the silence of everyone. Like they're all going for it. Like sister of Harun, da da da, your mom was like this. She wants, And then she's pointing at the baby and the baby speaks. It was like on cue as well. It wasn't like, and they're probably, obviously, if somebody's pointing at a child and you're asking the mother questions, you're not going to expect the child to speak. So yeah. them just saying like, how are we supposed to speak? And then the child just speaks. And it's like, when he spoke, he came with an intro, the middle, and then a conclusion. Like there's nothing else you can really ask more yeah. of. And subhanAllah, the way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did it as well, for the child to speak, that was a miracle in itself. So they can't, they cannot believe that Maryam was out committing zin or committing uh, whatever, like, sin because that was that was a sign within itself i mean the thing is like it's a bit of a it's a bit of a diversion in the talk he mentioned that yahya was the prophet for a good like few decades before he said islam and he's gonna be raised by the product of the dua of zakaria yahya right Mm -hmm. and obviously that dua has been sparked by maryam Maryam as well so it's like yeah. she like without knowing how all these pieces are falling together yes she's basically told her uncle to make dua her uncle makes dua and then he has a son and that son is going to be someone who mentors her own son who yeah, comes later even many, though she'll expect it and if you like look at Isa's words it's just it's like kind of mic drop moment there's nothing else to say that's what i'm saying like there's nothing else you can question he literally answered all the unasked questions. Yeah. And that obviously saved him and his mother. Yeah. SubhanAllah. Like those ayahs, they actually ends with the same idea again. It's, and oh, actually the beginning of the ayah is quite important as well. And I mean, it's kind of like a straight response to obviously what the Christians say that Isa is the son of God. And it says here that Allah, like, it's not for Allah to take a son. Yeah. Glory be to him. When he decrees a matter, he simply tells it be and it is. Yeah. I feel like this story, if you could take anything from it, it's just Allah has all the power and you you need to have tawakkul in his decree for us. 100%. Because it's been written. It was written before, like, what is the, the quote? It's like, it was written, like... Before you were even a before, or b- even before even the sky met the sea, or even like that. There's so many. Basically, it was, it was written way before. Yeah, because remember, the first thing Allah created was the pen. Mm-hmm. And then he wrote down, isn't it, what's gonna like happen. many, many years ago. Yeah, so when you think about it, we're literally, we're all just living out, like, a kind of a script. 
Allah asked us all, like, do you bear witness that I'm one God and you're not going to associate partners with me? And we all said yes as well. And everyone forgets that promise, kind of. But it's our fitra. Yeah, it's the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. And also, going back to having tawakkul in Allah, I feel like sometimes it doesn't make sense. Like, when something happens, it does not make sense. Yeah. But if you just literally just put your trust in Allah, sometimes you have to say to yourself, like, oh, Allah, whatever happens, happens. Like, it's up to you. There's nothing I can do about it. Honestly, you will start feeling in ease. Because it's like you've now left it to Allah. There's nothing more you can do. And you're speaking to Allah, you're just telling him, I'm leaving the rest to you. And then you, honestly, you start feeling this ease. Yeah. You know, it's kind of reminding me of uh, Umar radiallahu anhu. And he basically said that my heart is at ease knowing that what is meant for me will never pass me. And what has passed me was never meant for me. And you know what? It's actually like whenever anything's happened, just growing up, my mom's always said that Allah doesn't just know what's going to happen. He also knows all the options. Yeah, what would have happened if that didn't happen, or if you decide to do something else, what would have happened? So yeah. he knows all the different versions of basically every the versions decision. you say. Oh, if I did this, if I do that, if I he he already had the answers for that. Exactly, like he already knows exactly how it would have played out till the day you die. And mm. the sister once said, "I ask Allah." She made she was making dua for another sister, but um, that sister shared it. So she goes, I ask Allah that he makes you pleased with his qadr. Mm. And I just thought that was such a good da'a because like the qadr, like whatever's decreed is always is going to happen. Mm. We can just ask Allah that he gives us peace with it and we can accept yeah. it. Because usually when things happen, most of the time we go on to like, oh, if I did this, if that's why they say the word if is like it comes from shaitan. Yeah. Because it's like, it's, there's no ifs. Because this is what was written. You just have to like move on with it. But I feel like we have to consciously remind ourselves continuously. Yeah, and you know when we make that dua, you're also making dua to Allah to give you the best of the options that he's already decreed. Mm. And in the moment, you're right. Sometimes it doesn't feel like it's the, the best. best option. Yeah. But we can never see the bigger picture. And we don't know the other options. It's like, for example, let's say you got into a car crash. Yeah. One option could be maybe not going into a car crash, but then something serious could have happened later on with yeah, your you car. Yeah, you might have gone into a plane crash or something. Yeah, you never know. The other option could have been um, getting into the car crash but dying. So there's like all these different yeah. things, but then just getting into that car crash has saved you from either dying somewhere else or actually dying. Like, we don't or know. Or maybe you got injured and now you're being, like, expiated for so many, like, sins. Because remember, like, not even a pin... Like, pricks yeah. the believer and he's and he doesn't get ruled for it. You know, that's a good one. Like, whatever pain you feel, like, Allah does not forget, like, an atom's worth of it. Mm. Like, if you're having patience, Allah rewards every single bit. So if things don't happen your way and you did have a car crash and maybe you grazed your knee or you got whiplash or something, mm. that whiplash is a means for you... Okay, it could be a means for you to either get more sins by saying, why does Allah do this and... Like, my life is the worst, and being ungrateful and being, like, ignorant. Ignorant to what could have happened, right? Or you can have, like, so much sugar, but also try and be patient, right? It's okay to feel upset. Yeah. But try to only say what pleases Allah, because that's what you're being judged for. Yeah. Yeah? So if you're you're just saying, okay, alhamdulillah, is what it is, alhamdulillah, 
Allah. And it is hard during the time to it's just really start, hard to just start saying all of this or like yeah. you know when people say like something happens to you and they're like oh it's Qadr of Allah yeah. something bad could something worse could have happened in that moment of time you're probably thinking yes I understand that but at the moment I'm I'm upset about what's happened yeah but you still like you said you just need to consciously remind yourself like you it's can the be of upset Allah. exactly did we did we talk about the three types of sabr no. that a believer has to have I think we have but I'll re- I'll just so the three types of sabr a believer needs to have is summer is patience by the way patience in not committing sins okay i think we talked about this separately not on the podcast or we oh. we talked about it some other time because this wasn't on the podcast okay so patience in not committing sins yep patience in doing what's obligated of you and then the third one is patience when calamities sins, hit you uh, in tests yeah and of those three types of patience the most important one to have is actually patience with obligatory um actions because we're all gonna sin, yeah. But we have to stay on top of our like faraid, yeah. Yeah, like salah or fasting in Ramadan. Like the bare minimum is that, yeah. Right, whether you're that's I what don't makes know, us smoking on the side or whatever. That's still not good, but it's secondary. Like the Muslim is the one who prays, right? Mm-hmm. That's what differentiates us. Mm-hmm. So that's that. But out of all those three. The one that we actually have no control over is patience in a calamity. Mm. And that's why we always ask Allah to give us that patience. Because we don't know when something bad's going to happen. And what's going to test our patience to such an extent that it could challenge our whole views on everything. And the only thing is we need to just pray to Allah that at that moment he gives us the patience to deal with it. And to not like make it affect our, our religion or our deen, or our iman, yeah. or anything like that. SubhanAllah, there are yeah. loads of stories when people go through calamity, and they some people have even left Islam. Yeah. It's a really good like reminder to make da'a. And also, going back onto like, the um, patience of obligatory things, Yeah, and how you were mentioning like, salah and like fast, like the bare minimum. Like We understand salah can be difficult. Yeah. And um, we just have to, like inshallah, keep reminding ourselves that we need to stay on top of that, because for a person to enter Jannah, mm-hmm no matter what they've done, they need to be praying. So that's why if you've done, for example, like you said, smoking on the side or whatever, it's not good, it's a sin. Yeah. But don't stop your prayers. That's why whenever you like hear talks and stuff, they tell you to never stop your prayers. Or they ask you like, what's the state of your salah? Yeah. So that is like where we're going to end that. Yeah. But um, it's it's interesting because her name in the Quran is mentioned more than Isa name. SubhanAllah. And she's also mentioned not just as the mother of Isa like we mentioned earlier is also like her story on her own it stands alone like obviously mm. it does interlink with the story of Zakaria and the story of Yahya and also Bani Israel yeah. and then her son as well Isa but her story in itself is where we can like learn lessons about worship and patience and tawakkul yeah. she has a whole surah named after her it's like yeah. a trophy in a way. Like all her hardship and everything. Like the way she's left for us. Like even the men, but for us women as well. Yeah. To look upon and she's like a big role model. Yeah. So what would you say you've taken from this? I think the worship thing has really got to me in the sense that I really want to improve on that because it was her worship that helped her out in her times of hardship as well. Because yeah. remember, you can make dua for that suburb, but also if you're constantly talking to Allah and stuff, and it's more easy for you to have that naturally. Yeah. And also her tawakkul, like the whole way through, mm. she kind of did 
as Allah told her to do because she knew that he's got her back. Yeah. And I think sometimes we're very quick to forget that Allah's got our back if we rely on him. Yeah. I mean, even when we don't rely on him, Allah has our back. But the point is that when you're... Consciously aware that And you're Allah devout your to back. Allah, then of course he's going to be looking after you and everything. Yeah. For me as well, it's um, the tawakal. I literally wrote that down. I was like, her story, what I've learned from it, a big thing is the tawakal she had for Allah. Like the remembrance that she had mm-hmm. for Allah too. I feel like, inshallah, that's something I'm going to take. And also the way they made dua. It yeah. wasn't just, oh Allah, I'm here again. Like um, I think you were saying. It's just, they... They bring up all the things Allah has done for them and how they've never been disappointed, like Zakaria mentioned. And like even when Maryam, when she would like call upon Allah, it's just, I feel like it's made me think the way we do dua, we need to be a bit more like focused. Yeah. And have a bit more intentions behind it. Yeah. Actually, one last point is, obviously, Maryam, she spent a lot of her time on her own. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was before she went and she was told that she was going to have a child. Yeah. But that whole time, she must have been physically alone, right? Like, as in there weren't people around her. No. Like, the only... the um, Her uncle, Zakaria, would, Ali Salam, would no, come. No, no, no. I'm her. talking about afterwards when she was pregnant. Oh, she was yeah, on her own. Yeah, she was on her own. And obviously, even though she was on her own, Allah took care of her and he provided emotional comfort and, mm. like, he also nourished her as well. Right? You know what's crazy? What? That I've just realised. Go on. The fact that usually it's the prophets that see Jibreel because he's the one that comes with the message. Yeah, and he comes to every prophet. And Maryam has actually seen uh, Jibreel Even if it was like in the man form or whatever form yeah. it was, he, she was still able to see him and speak to him. Like, I feel like that's a big blessing as well. And it tells us a lot about her status. Yeah. Because... Like, obviously, she's not a prophet, but her status is crazy high if she's meeting Jabari Islam. But yeah. my point was, a lot of people nowadays, they feel alone in different situations, right? Mm-hmm. I think loneliness is something that everybody is familiar with in some sense. Even if you've got so many people around you, people mm-hmm. are lonely. But even when she was truly alone, like, without people around her, Allah was her source of comfort and he even told her what to do, like how to deal with the problem and everything. Yeah. It was like a guide. Like he guided guide. her through that completely. And companionship in a way. Yeah. And, you know, like people will always like let you down. Different relationships in life will always let you down. Like, it's something my mom says. But the mm. only relationship that won't let you down is your relationship with Allah. Mm. And whenever that is let down, it's always on our part. Yeah. Because Allah will never let you down like that. And so if you... If you build up your relationship with Allah in times of difficulty, sorry, in times of ease and stuff, then he's going to be there for you in times of difficulty. Mm. You know, with the Christians, they are usually known to pray when they're in need of something. Yeah. But subhanAllah, with us Muslims, we pray five times a day. That's why with some people, they, they're quite confused. Why do we pray? Because usually when they pray, they're asking for things. Yeah. But we pray no matter what, asking, even if we're not going through hardship. I feel like it's a reminder for ourselves because sometimes when we're at ease, we're just fine. We're not doing extra ibadah or anything like that. So I think it's also a reminder to ourselves, no matter what we're going through in life, just keep remembering Allah. It's kind of like keeping your oxygen tank somewhat full. So obviously you're going to need it when Mm. you're in a time of difficulty, but you're kind of like, you're just putting in a little bit all the time, like five Mm. times a day when you pray, whenever you make any athkar, whenever you make da'a and stuff like that. 
Yeah. And so when you need it, it comes back and it helps you and it makes you less likely to go off path or forget, or, Allah, or forget like... Allah or whatever. And it makes it easier for you to deal with whatever trials you may yeah. come across. And Salah is just a consistent reminder. Yeah. Of remembering Allah. Yeah, because if you're planning like your whole day around Salah, it's not going to be like, oh, after Fajr, let's go to the club. Then we're going to go to the disco after the... Like, yeah. it just adds a consciousness into your day. Because if we weren't praying five times a day, mm. it would be very easy for us to do whatever... We wanted. And then like at the end of the day, maybe we pray once and then we're like, oh yeah, mm, sorry for doing everything and then go to bed. But yeah. that's not how Islam is meant to be. We're supposed to be living constantly with the knowledge that Allah... Is watching over is us. Is watching us and he's the that he's there. Everything. Exactly. Yeah. And so our salah is like little check-ins Reminder, through the day. Yeah. And I think also I listened to this little talk thing and he was talking about salah and how... I feel like we should do a podcast on salah. Yeah. Like a little episode on salah. I'll quickly mention this. How we only spend maximum during salah, maybe a few, like five minutes maximum probably. Yeah. And I was thinking, wow, that's like what, 20 minutes for one day? 25. 25- yeah 25 whoops (laughs) maths not maths in 25 minutes for one day over like 24 hours and i feel like that's just amazing even let's just say okay 12 hours 25 minutes just to pray and it makes me like it's a reminder for myself to like not rush myself it's only a few minutes if anything you need to make most out of it you know people describe it as like your meeting with allah and so you just you get ready for your meeting you kind of check in and like you show up like it's a meeting as well by the way you don't just like go late drag yourself Rush it. Yeah. Uh-uh. Anyways, that's it for this episode. So stay tuned. And inshallah, next time we will be starting our final Greatest Women in Paradise, which is... Asiya, who's the wife of Fir'aun. Yeah. Assalamu alaikum.